Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 322 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Psalm 131 and 132 today, and our focus is on the dangers of controversy and the wisdom of not concerning ourselves with matters above our heads. We're also going to be hearing from C.S. Lewis on the news and social media and other things like that. Our goal is to encourage you to read the Word daily, to hear the Word daily, to follow the Word daily, and to share the Word daily, and to obey the Word daily. We do have a website. It's Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. Let's start with a little bit of Bible trivia. What's the shortest chapter in the Bible? You have three seconds. Three, two, one. Did you get it? It's Psalm 117. Now, one of our psalms today isn't the shortest, but it is the third shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 131. In fact, Psalm 131, 133, and 134 are all in the top four shortest chapters in the Bible. That knowledge in a quarter will get you 25 cents in the United States. Short though it be, though, Psalm 131 has a powerful little punch of wisdom in it, one of the wisest verses in the Bible that more Christians should really take heed of. Verse 1 says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Now, that's a pretty interesting illustration. The psalmist has calmed and quieted his soul like a child that is weaned or not nursing anymore. In other words, he isn't mewling and crying and complaining and whining and causing trouble. He's completely secure like a quiet baby snug in the arms of their mother. Unfortunately, some people who claim to be Christians are anything but calmed and quieted. They rail, they sputter, they accuse, they rage, they attack, they rattle cages. Well, you get my point. We need the wisdom of the psalmist here now more than ever. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me, he says. Social media is awash in people outraged about this or that situation. Very often, most of that outrage and vitriol is written by people who actually have very, very, very little first-hand knowledge of whatever situation it is they are commenting on, and yet that lack of first-hand and reliable knowledge does not seem to keep our society from loudly and haughtily complaining on commenting on everything. This is a danger. We have to guard our eyes from haughtiness and our hearts from a kind of know-it-all pride that leads us to confidently offer opinions on everything under the sun, including things we don't really know about. Be still, my soul. Be calmed, my soul. Be quieted, my soul. Don't babble on about things too great or too wondrous for me. In the 1950s, a friend of C.S. Lewis named Mary Van Dusen asked Lewis his opinion on the American general Douglas MacArthur, a uh, war hero from World War II. In light of Psalm 131, we really should appreciate the wisdom of Lewis's reply. He says this, As to MacArthur... 
I don't feel in a position to have clear opinions about anyone I know only from newspapers. You see, whenever they deal with anyone or anything I know myself, I find they're always a mass of lies and misunderstandings, so I conclude they're no better in the places where I don't know. That's interesting. Kind of skeptical? But there's wisdom there in not commenting on something you don't have first-hand knowledge about. Now, Lewis did indeed have a fairly low opinion of the media. He found it quite untrustworthy in terms of informing normal people like you and me the exact facts of a situation. He later on, I think in the next year after this letter, wrote to a friend named Mrs. Jessup this less than favorable viewpoint of the news media of his day. He said, don't send me any newspaper cuttings. I never believe a word said in the papers. The real history of a period, as we all always discover a few years later, has very little to do with all that, and private people like you and me are never allowed to know it while it is going on. Well, has our journalism gotten better and more integrous in the last 70 years since Lewis wrote this, or less? I kind of imagine the answer is quite a bit less, so it really is difficult for us, normals, to know about situations we don't have intimate first-hand knowledge about, and thus again, we should live by the wisdom of Psalm 131, not getting deeply involved or sharing loud opinions about that which is too great or too wondrous for us. I'd greatly appreciate John Newton's letter to a friend who was about to enter into a debate of sorts with another person. In this letter, Newton humbly and wisely warns us and his friend of the danger in engaging in controversy and concerning ourselves with things too lofty and wondrous for us. Newton says, Whatever it be that makes us trust in ourselves that we are comparatively wise or good so as to treat those with contempt who do not subscribe to our doctrines or follow our party is a proof and fruit of a self-righteous spirit. Self-righteousness can feed upon doctrines as well as upon works, and a man may have the heart of a Pharisee while his head is stored with orthodox notions of the unworthiness of the creature and the riches of free grace. Yea, I would add, the best of men are not wholly free from this yeast, and therefore are too apt to be pleased with such representations as hold up our adversaries to ridicule and by consequences support flatter our own superior judgments. Controversies, for the most part, are so managed as to indulge rather than to repress his wrong disposition, and therefore, generally speaking, they are productive of little good. They provoke those whom they should convince and puff up those whom they should edify. I hope your discussion will savor of a spirit of true humility and be a means of promoting it in others. This leads me, says Newton, in the last place to consider your own concern in your present undertaking. It seems a laudable service to defend the faith once delivered to the saints. We are commanded to contend earnestly for it and to convince naysayers. If ever such defenses were seasonable and expedient, they appear to be so in our own day when errors abound on all sides and every truth of the gospel is either, ever, either directly denied or grossly misrepresented. And yet we find but very few writers of controversy who have not been hurt manifestly by it. Either they grow in a sense of their own importance or imbibe an angry contentious spirit or they insensibly withdraw their intention from these things 
which are the foods and immediate support of the life of faith, and spend their time and strength upon matters which are at most but of secondary value. This shows that if the service is honorable, it is dangerous. What will it profit a man if he gains his cause and silences his adversary, if at the same time he loses that humble, tender frame of spirit in which the Lord delights and to which the promise of his presence is made? Your aim, I doubt not, is good, but you have need to watch and pray, for you will find Satan at your right hand to resist you. He will try to debase your views, and though you set out in defense of the cause of God, if you are not continually looking to the Lord to keep you, it may become your own cause and awaken in you those tempers which are inconsistent with true peace of mind and will surely obstruct communion with God. So my dear friends, to briefly summarize what Newton is saying, we need to be careful when we are contending for the truth and engaging in controversy that, A, we don't get engaged in things that are too high and lofty for us, and B, that we do so with a proper and appropriate, humble, reliant upon God attitude, not seeking to vilify our opponent, but speaking to him gently to win them over to the truth. Let's read our Psalms, beginning with Psalm 131, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Lord, my heart is not proud, My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things that are too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. Psalm 132, David and Zion chosen a song of ascents. Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured and how he swore an oath to the Lord, making a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard of the ark in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jaar. Let's go to his dwelling place. Let's worship at his footstool. Rise up, Lord. Come to your resting place, you and your powerful ark. May your priests be clothed with righteousness, and may your faithful people shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I will teach them, their sons will also sit on your throne forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his home This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needy with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation and its faithful people will shout for joy. There I will make a horn grow for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown he wears will be glorious. Amen. Well, let's close with our Bible memory passage for the month of November, John 14, verse 6, which says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.